You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that up, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. Part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, introduction press conference for new Dolphins defensive coordinator Vic Fangio just wrapped up. We're going to go ahead and break down the entirety of that press conference from the new Dolphins DC, plus your questions via the Twitter mailbag. You want to hear about Coach Fangio, the offseason, and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive That's Time. That's another Miami Dolphins. We heard from Coach Fangio and Coach McDaniel on Monday morning at the introduction press conference for Vic Fangio. We streamed it live on YouTube on the social channels for your Miami Dolphins. If you want to go back and check out the whole presser in its entirety, just get over to that YouTube channel. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and watch the video. But you're here because you want to hear clips from the press conference and my analysis on the press conference. Let's go ahead and dive right in here first, starting with... An opening statement from head coach Mike McDaniel was great to hear from him once again. We'll also hear from him next week in Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine. I believe coach is scheduled to talk on Tuesday afternoon, so I'll have that for you guys on the Wednesday podcast. But for now, he was simply introducing his new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. Let's hear. go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel on the Dolphins' new D.C. Yeah, I just wanted to introduce um, Coach Vic Fangio. Um, Exciting day. Um, for the Miami Dolphins organization, the fan base. Really, um, you know, since the season ended, you know, really tried to attach, um, you know, in in the journey for looking towards the future. Okay, you know, who can we entrust to um, continue to develop the players um, to maximize all people um, in the building in that regard uh, to do right by the organization and chase um, what we're trying to chase and building, building a winner. So it was a very easy um, decision when, when given the opportunity. I was very excited about the opportunity. I was really pumped that he he joined in the in the vision, um, and and couldn't couldn't be happy, uh, couldn't be any happier really for the organization and and uh, you know uh, really a, a guy that takes um, a professional football. Uh, serious, but also the the obligation to continue to evolve and get better. And you don't um, have a sustaining uh, career um, for you know longer than I've been alive, really. Um, like like Vic has, without that that fearless um, chase of uh, continually continuing to evolve and uh, and get better um, and be your best version of yourself um, as you age with grace. So without further ado, um, Vic Fangio, uh, defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. 
it's always nice when you identify something that you want, that you desire, and that thing becomes, I guess, easy to capture or easy to uh, obtain. And it kind of sounds like that's where Coach was going towards this whole thing. And I love hearing the fact that Vic Fangio obviously was the first choice for McDaniel. You hear him talk about how easy of a decision it was and how pumped he was when he learned that Fangio uh, really shares and revels in that same vision they have for the organization. I think that makes all the sense in the world. I think you look for someone with experience like Vic Fangio, what he brings to the defensive side of the ball and his capability of really just kind of being the head coach of the defense in that way. And then for Mike McDaniel to have his fingerprints all over the offense and as the head coach of the entire, you know, operation, the entire organization, it just seems to me like there is like what coach McDaniel talked about there, that shared vision of excellence, shared idea of the potential and the teaching aspect to get those guys to grow and live up to the potential they believe they can play with. We're going to hear from coach Fangio on that in just one second. But first, we're going to go back to Fangio. And his first question was asked, what made the Miami Dolphins the right fit for you? Here's Coach. Well, I think the Dolphins um, have a good thing going here. I like the uh, Mike and his staff that he already has in place here. I think there's good components to the coaching staff led by Mike that made it intriguing to join that. Uh, I think there's a good nucleus of players here and the uh, lure of South Florida. And then, as promised, him talking about the importance of maximizing the players under his tutelage. Here's Coach Fangio on how to maximize the players, or the, the potential, I should say, of the players they have on the defense. I love the last part he talks about here with players with room for potential. Well, I've always believed you just try and improve every player as an individual, and then hopefully you do that well enough to where their position group improves, and if their position group improves, then the defense has improved. So you really do it from the ground up, and there's a lot of good uh, young players here that I think have room to grow, and hopefully myself and the staff will get that done. Coach Fangio also discussed the relationship between he and Mike McDaniel saying really didn't have one prior to this hiring, but he was asked about his first impression of Mike McDaniel after getting the job and McDaniel was on vacation last week and now he's here in the building. So they're both working together this week. Here's coach Fangio on his first impression of head coach, Mike McDaniel. Yeah, well, it's been uh, very little because I got here last Tuesday and Mike was on vacation. So today's the first day we're in here together. Now we did some Zoom interviews together from where he was last week. But, um, you know, everything I thought, you know, he's energetic, um, genuine, obviously good, got a good football mind, puts good offensive football out there, and hopefully we can compl- complement that. And you all heard on my podcast with Coach about the year off he spent. Here's Coach talking a little bit more about what he did during that you know, professor on sabbatical, as he described it here on the Drive Time Podcast. Go back and check out the Friday episode if you have not heard that one yet with Coach Fangio, an exclusive, his first as a member of the Miami Dolphins here on the Drive Time Podcast. But he also talked about a few of the players here on the roster, and that's what I really wanted to show you guys. Here's Coach Fangio. Well, um, you know, I didn't study the Dolphins' defense per se that much. Um, Basically what I did with all my time, you know, I kind of treated it like a college professor on a sabbatical and was watching a lot of NFL tape more from a situational standpoint rather than studying a team per se. So I never actually studied the Dolphins in its entirety. Now, obviously, they're 
their games would come across these situational studies that I was doing. And um, I think there's some good young talent there. Obviously, you know, just from two years ago in the draft with Phillips and Holland, and those are two really good players that, that I really liked in the draft. You know, Bradley Chubb is here, who obviously I know about. And several other guys, you know, Christian Wilkins is here, who another guy I liked in the draft, who, you know, Christian's greatest honor is the Bill Campbell Award Trophy, which is the academic Heisman. And Bill Campbell was a good friend of mine. So he, he'll always, uh, when I see him, I always think of that. And, um, but there's a good nucleus of players here. For me to give you a great answer schematically, you know, I'd be stretching it. You also heard Coach on the Drive Time podcast talk about some of the new coverages. He's excited to get a chance to come out here and put to some pen to paper, if you will, and try him out during OTAs and camp. He was asked about that. But again, more context behind that. He talks a little bit about the philosophy of tailoring the defense to what you do well. Yeah, there's a few things that, uh, that uh, I came up with that I'm anxious to try. You know, we'll try him in OTAs at some point and in training camp and, you know, as a good fit for the other things we do. But what's going to be most important is tailoring what we do to our players and to the opponent that we're playing for that week. So, you know, there may be things that we did at previous stops that we won't do much here because it doesn't fit our players. And vice versa, you know, we might do something a lot that we didn't do other places because it's a better fit for our players. So, and sometimes it's it's a better, you might think it would be great to do something because it fits a certain player really good, but you really have to think about how it fits all 11 and what's the best way to stop somebody from scoring too many points. Really interesting stuff there from Coach in terms of sometimes you blitz a lot, sometimes you don't blitz, you know, just a multitude of things you do uh, based upon the personnel you have. Next, he was asked about Bradley Chubb, and he talked about him a little bit and uh, basically said that Chubb had some injury issues when he was back there in Denver that didn't really allow him to get into the full groove except for one portion of that second season. Now here he is talking a little bit about Bradley Chubb, but also the combination of he and Jalen Phillips, who, of course, you heard him mention earlier as a player in that 2021 draft class that he was a big fan of. Here he is talking about the makeup and tools of Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips coming off the edge in this Vic Fangio defense. Sounds good, doesn't it? They have great potential. Um, but, you know, potential, we got to see it. You know, we, talking about it is, is easy. Projecting it is easy, but we, we got to see it. And I'm confident knowing those two guys' work ethic that um, they'll do everything they can to put the, a good product out there on the field from the both of them. But they both have the tools, both have the makeup to be really good players on the edges for us. How about your defensive philosophy, Coach? What would that be? Well, pretty simple stuff here, but it makes a lot of sense. Here's Coach Fangio on what he hopes to accomplish here in Miami with the defense. You know, we're in charge of not letting the other team score. And we will do anything and everything to do that. You know, I've been places in the past where we pressured a lot. I've been places where we didn't pressure very much. You know, you got to fit the scheme to the players that you have while also factoring in the opponents that you're playing. So hopefully we'll be a team that will keep the points down, um, make it hard for teams to score a lot of points, and put our offense in position 
to score points for us. So, you know, I, I'm not a buzzword guy as far as that goes, other than we want to play good defense. And what's good defense? Keep them out of the end zone. Next one here I thought was really interesting from Coach, talking about young coaches across the NFL, working for a coach who was basically born around the same time you got into coaching. All these offensive whizzes that have these brilliant football minds that make it so challenging for the defense to attack in the modern NFL. Here's Coach Fangio talking about the Super Bowl, those two teams, those two offenses, those two quarterbacks, and the way you stop them, evolution, but also talking about the running game here. Really good stuff here from one of the most experienced minds, one of the smartest defensive minds in football, your new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, talking about the modern game. Yeah, the game's evolving. You know, it, it, you know since I got in the league, um, the evolution of the game has just continued. And, I mean, I think we saw it firsthand in the Super Bowl, I guess it was nine days ago, eight days ago, um, you know, two really good, two great quarterbacks, two great offenses, and they had their way with the both defenses in that game. There was like, I believe, 17 possessions in that game, and I think 14 of them resulted in scores. And um, we've got to find a way to slow that down. And and the only way you do that is to evolve your philosophy, what you're teaching, what you're playing to fit stopping what they're doing now, you know, to line up and play what you did 10, 15 years ago, although you're still doing some of that, you have to adapt it to today's NFL game. And, you know, when there was years ago, you know, every team had a fullback. Now hardly any teams have a fullback. And the fullback's been replaced by a third wide receiver or a second tight end who's like a third wide receiver that in and of itself has changed the game. and But teams are still running the ball. You know, everybody likes to say it's a pass-happy league, but percentage-wise, from 40 years ago to now, the runs have decreased only about 4%. And Chris Greer told me, because he's on the competition committee, they had a graphic last week in a meeting. This is the most runs in the NFL this past year in the last 25 years. So you still have to be able to stop the run and play physical. Two more here from Coach, and I just love what he talked about there with the running game and the the biggest percentage of run-to-pass differential in the last 25 years per Chris Greer, who was on the competition committee. Really good stuff there, and, and obviously a big part of this game, and you have to be able to defend the run. And we've talked a lot about, you know, Coach's system with Sean Syed and on the podcast after that as well and in terms of playing those, you know, two high structures, ultimately getting to two and three high and having to sacrifice from a player in the box. But when you have guys like Sealer and Wilkins that can help control the line of scrimmage, it's going to help you in that run game, defending the run despite being, you know, light in the box as it were. So really fascinating stuff there from Coach. Coach, let's go ahead to this penultimate question for Coach about why come back to the NFL right now? A lot of coaches that have hit your accomplishments and you know reach a certain age want to go ahead and ride off into the sunset. Why come back, Coach? Why? Yeah, I just because that's who I am. That's what I do. That's what I like to do. Um, I still have a lot of coaching left in me, um, and I don't. You know, it's not like I'm thinking about retirement or anything. Somebody asked, "How much longer are you going to do this?" I don't know. It might be 10 years if they'll have me here for 10 years. Um, it's just who I am, what I do, what I enjoy doing. 
like the competition. I like teaching players. I like to see players improve as individuals. And putting something together is challenging and fulfilling. And let's go ahead and get to the last one here. Yeah, if, well, if you want to be here 10 years, that would be pretty sweet to have him and Mike McDaniel here for a decade uh, on your coaching staff. Finishing up with our 10th one, speaking of a decade here, talking about Javon Holland. Uh, coach talked about his prowess and what makes him a good player. You can find the entirety of this interview up on the team YouTube channel. Let's go ahead and go to Coach for the last one here on safety Javon Holland. Well, I haven't studied him enough since he's gotten the NFL as far as what can I teach him, but I do know I really liked him the year he came out in the draft. I like his physical ability, his combination of size, speed, quickness. He's got good instincts. I think he's smart from a football standpoint. And um, you're right, we've had some good luck with safeties over the years in the last few stops. And I'm hopeful and confident that he can be one of the top safeties in the league. Great stuff there from coach and coach in their Monday morning introduction press conference. Let's go ahead and pick this up as the laptop fires up. With your mailbag questions, I put the call out on Twitter on Thursday, I think it was. I wanted to give you all plenty of time to get those questions in. And let's go ahead and answer some of those questions right now here on the podcast. First one, from at X. which players do you think can benefit the most from Fangio's coaching? Where I think you stand to see a big potential change and perhaps better production is with the ability for Miami to pressure with just four guys up front. Now, if you go back and look at the list of reported candidates for the D.C. job, they all had something in common. Blitz rates in the 15 to 20% range, which is a significant reduction from what we've seen here in the past. Now, that's obviously not a guarantee that it just automatically improves your defensive numbers, but I do think that the personnel is more suited for that style of defense, particularly after the Bradley Chubb trade last season. He's probably the first guy that comes to mind. Him and Jalen Phillips off the edge. Uh, Fangio was a longtime outside linebackers coach, and he had, a, a, as you heard on the Friday podcast with Fangio on the pod and then hearing from Brandon Staley and other people that kind of gave us some testimonials there. You know, the Dome Patrol defense, the New Orleans Saints back in the late 90s that Fangio was a coach of. It's just kind of... To, to get a nickname at a position group is means a lot. And so I think that... When you look at the guys he's coached, the Khalil Max, the Bradley Chubbs, the Vaughn Millers, now he gets Chubb again and Jalen Phillips. I just think that that's a big area that can really benefit from his tutelage. And I say that because one of the things I've come to learn and really admire about this defense and how Coach Fangio is perceived by film gurus and simply just what the tape shows is that you're not going to find many defenses that disguise things better. The piece I mentioned on the Friday pod from Ted Wynn and The Athletic had a quote from an anonymous player who said, you're going to get very little pre-snap from Fangio's defense. You just don't get a lot of information based upon what he shows. And let's actually go ahead and detour from that point here real quick because two players I think could see a nice little jolt as well are the two young studs we have at safety in Javon Holland and Brandon Jones. The way those guys prepare, the way they communicate, how fast they play as a result of all that, I think they are quintessential pieces to maximize the defense's ability to disguise what it does. And with all the hybrid coverage and variety you get on the back end from man match and zone match principles, it puts more eyes in the quarterback. And for Javon Holland, you know, him keying quarterbacks and playing more robber roles and buzzing crossers and coming down as a spy, you know, slash hook convert, blitzing at the line of scrimmage off the edge. Look at all the defenses Fangio has run. And there is always a safety with massive production. Justin Simmons was a four or five interception per year guy 
in Denver under Fangio. Eddie Jackson in Chicago had a breakout campaign when Fangio got there. Deshaun Goldson and Dante Whitner in San Francisco. I see no reason that you don't see Javon Holland doing just that. The guy had three picks last year and a strip sack that produced a touchdown a few plays later in a defense that had him 20 yards off the ball, just basically patrolling the deep vertical shots, and he did a good job of that. But more opportunities to make plays will maximize his skill set, obviously. Back to the front, though. Those safeties and their ability to maximize disguise paired with the simulated rushes and fire zone calls, those are designed to not just confuse the quarterback, but confuse the production or the protection rather and generate one-on-one matchups. I mean, if you get 35 dropbacks in a game and we can get 20 of those reps where either Chubb or Jalen is one-on-one outside, they're going to make a big impact in the game. But then you also look at a lot of the guys that had major production under Coach Fangio up front, and it's players with body types and play styles a lot like Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. Those defensive tackles with inside-outside flexibility, you know, great quickness, length and power in that 290-pound to 310-pound range. Like, they had Draymond Jones in Denver, and he was a consistent five, six, seven sacks per year type of player there. Akeem Hicks in Chicago, a little bit more of a nose, but had outside flexibility as well. He was very productive with the Bears under Coach Fangio. Then finally, the corners tend to get takeaway chances as well, which is a product of those confusing post-snap rotations, playing more coverage that has eyes on the quarterback opposed to eyes on your man. Like I remember when Byron Jones signed here, the big conversation was around his, you know, takeaways or lack thereof that he generated. And like he was a great player because he was so good in man coverage, but that style of play just did not suit, you know, Take, it wasn't conducive for a takeaway-style defense. But if you play more zone when your eyes are on the quarterback and you, you're not you know, chasing a man, there's going to be more chances to capitalize on those mistakes. And that's a big area of focus for me because how many times did I say on the podcast last year, we have to finish chances that we create? Because there were so many we did create in the Buffalo games. You know, They got them in the playoff game. And that's why that game was close despite the fact that the offense just couldn't get anything going all day long. It was close because of three turnovers, one for six, and one that puts you right in scoring range, and one that led to a field goal. If you can do that consistently throughout the year, this team's going to be unbeatable, man. So I think that that scheme and style of defense is more conducive to taking the football away and capitalizing on those chances when you do get them. A good example of this is Patrick Peterson, you know, a first ballot Hall of Fame corner for my money, who had a bit of a late career resurgence playing for the Vikings under Ed Donatel, one of Fangio's longtime assistants uh, this past season here with with the Vikings for for Peterson. And a lot of that was zone turns with good route concept recognition. And who's better at that exact trait in football than Xavier Howard? In fact, Mike Tannenbaum's site, the 33rd team, did a series where they had ex-pros build out the perfect players at their specific position groups, and they had Rondé Barber do the perfect DB, and he listed Xavier Howard as the best route and pass concept recognition corner in the NFL. So there you go. And finally, we touched on this in the Sean Syed podcast. Fangio has traditionally operated with primarily nickel defenses, and all teams do. Again, for the 5,000th time, I've said this since doing podcasts back in 2016, 4-3 and 3-4 is not your base defense. It's a sub package that you run a fraction of the time. Got it? 
most time they spend in sub packages like dime defense, half dollar defense, dollar. That just means more defensive backs, but nickel's your primary. But all of that makes tackling a very desired trait for a defensive back, and that's why I think Cater Kohu stands to benefit from it. A tremendous tackler down in the box and at the line of scrimmage all year long in 2022. I know that's like more than half a lot. That's what great coaches do, right? They maximize the strengths of your players, and coach has a lot of talent that he's inheriting here in Miami. Great question. I hope I answered that thoroughly. Next up from at Navy Ninja 99. Do you see a potential draft prospect that Fangio could want or would fit in his scheme? Do you see any free agent pickups that we would pick up due to the same reason? Why not go all the way and ask the same question for the offensive side of the football too? So yeah, let's go ahead and look at free agency. I'm going to go ahead and bypass the draft portion of that question because I haven't gotten far enough into it yet. Let's start with free agency here though. And I'm sure this list will get picked clean by the time we get to the new league year. But just looking at the list of expiring contracts, man, there's a lot of guys out there. I wonder if that's the result of, you know, shorter term deals becoming more commonplace across the league the last few years. You know, the Albert Hainsworth deals don't really happen that much anymore. Offensively, though, if you're looking up front, I think it starts with Mike McGlinchey from the 49ers. He's been a stalwart at right tackle in this exact offense for his entire career. Fires off the ball, gets great leverage in the running game, and did a good job keeping four different Niners quarterbacks upright all year long. They were they missed him when he was not available uh, this past season. Excuse me. The other name that really pops off the screen on the offensive lines, Philadelphia's Isaac Samalu. Uh, what a year he had on the best offensive line in the NFL. Similar style in terms of how he plays at a certain speed. Total ass kicker in the run game, and it'll be interesting to see who shakes free on that team because Philly has a bunch of free agents that they have to pay this year, so he could be one of them. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson could be another one. If he gets free, one of my favorite players in the National Football League. They did just trade for him, though, so maybe he gets brought back, but we're not really discussing that. Just scheduled free agents whose games I like. On that same defense, TJ Edwards is a really, really good three-down linebacker. Somebody asked here in the... uh, Mailbag, some linebackers I might like. TJ Edwards is near the top of that list. So is David Long of the Titans. Those guys are are really intriguing to me. Uh, Back to Philly, James Bradbury, the cornerback, is scheduled to be a free agent. Always been a big fan of his game. Like, again, I'm excited, man. There are options. Oh, and one more. Uh, Tight end Hayden Hurst. I love his game. There's a great tight end class this year, too, by the way, talking about draft. But I loved Hurst's game out of South Carolina. And a cool story from 2021 every Sunday at home games you know I go behind the goalpost on the north end of Hard Rock Stadium and snap a photo of the field to promote the podcast for that week when we played the Falcons I saw four people right in front of me wearing Hearst jerseys so I asked I'm guessing you guys might know Hayden yeah we're his family they told me so I mentioned to them how much I loved the feature story the Falcons did on him earlier that year on mental health because there was a a a really good deep dive on Hayden Hearst getting drafted to play baseball in the first round and like kind of lost his fastball as a pitcher, and uh, it got to him. It made him pretty depressed, and so he wound up uh, leaving baseball and going back to college and playing football, and then wound up being a first-round draft pick there again. So they did a great feature on the Falcons thing, and I just told him, a huge fan of your son, a huge fan of your brother, and uh, maybe one day we can see him down here and we can do another piece on him with that. But um, he's scheduled to be a free agent. We'll see if the Bengals bring him back. On top of the fact that I, I just, you know, I think that he got better in terms of, Um, being a two-way tight end, pass game and blocking game. I'm a huge Hayden Hurst fan and what he brings to the table. Next question here. Let's go ahead and actually take our last break. We'll come back on the other side and finish up the mailbag. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation.
picking it back up on the Twitter mailbag. I put out the call for questions. You guys ask them. I answer them here on the podcast from Hoover underscore 23. At eight, after the 8-3 and three start, I think another year without a playoff win was a disappointment. Why will 2023 be different? Well, I always have a hard time articulating this, so I'll just be straight up with it. Like, football sample sizes are small, and the results don't always reflect a team's true ability or capabilities, or however you want to phrase that. It's why I'm so big on the concept of process over results. I know the thing that goes around social these days are that all teams have injuries, and they do, but not all injuries are created equally. The Dolphins just had them pile up at the same positions, key positions. I would argue three of the top five uh, most important positions in the National Football League. You know by now the quarterback deal. I mean, to have four games of the backup starting a backup quarterback starting the game and not having said quarterback finish the game until the regular season finale, game number four of that stretch, that's just not something teams deal with very often. How about using seven offensive tackles and Brandon Shell getting the most snaps of any tackle on the entire roster and in-season signing? That's attrition. And then a cornerback, no Byron Jones all year. Nick Needham goes down week six. Brandon Jones, I know he's on a corner, he's a safety, but he goes down in week seven. Xavier Howard misses a couple of games, you know, two division losses to teams that were inferior to Miami this year. If you have X in those games, do those swing a little bit maybe? Trill Williams injured in training camp. Mackenzie Alexander signs and then gets injured in training camp. So that's my main reason I'm awfully bullish on this team heading into the offseason. I would say my other two are this. Number two, getting to know Mike McDaniel and what makes him tick and how he conducts himself. To me, he's a guy that's willing to accept where things didn't go his way and actively work to fix them. Like egoless, right? And I think Fangio higher speaks volumes to that we know that there were you know too many pre-snap issues too many timeouts in the first quarters of games I think that's something that he'll take a long hard look at and work to get the entire communication operation better and improved in his second season and then part three ties into that this is an extremely complex offense and even if it weren't all the great quarterbacks say that it's typically year two where you begin to feel like a new system then becomes second nature to you. And Tua playing even more instinctive, even more in tune with this system. I mean, he led the NFL in passer rating largely because of his ability to play fast in every aspect of the position and of the game. So if he's even more dialed, and this was the first time since high school with the same play caller in back-to-back years, then I think about what Coach mentioned with Jalen Waddell. And the big jump he took from the offseason program last year to training camp. Well, what does that look like from year one to year two? Like, has to be exponential. And on that topic, Coach talked about the offensive line and playing in this system and sort of retraining a lot of what you had learned through your entire football life. What does that look like for year two for Teron Armstead, for Robert Hunt, for Connor Williams, for the development of Austin Jackson, Liam Eikenberg, and Robert Jones? Does Brandon Shell kind of find a, you know, a second gear if he gets re-signed here. I think you have continuity on an offense that has proof of concept, and, and not just that, stretches of record-setting pace of proof of concept. I think you have tons of talent on defense that is now coached by arguably the best defensive coordinator, certainly one of the smartest and most experienced in the game. I think that injury accumulation benefits not just the offense and defense, but special teams in a big way. You start pu- uh, pulling depth up to play 60 snaps on defense, and they get a reduction in playing time on special teams you're liable to take a hit there as well so I hope that adequately defines why I think this team is well positioned I think they've drafted well with Chris Greer and his staff I think they've often sought a person and finished the job getting them with coach McDaniel Teron Armstead Tyreek Hill 
Coach Fangio. I think Brandon Shore kills it in the way that he manages the cap and keeps the team flexible from a uh, salary cap standpoint. I think the coaching staff is really damn good. I think the quarterback's really damn good. I think we have a very, very good roster. And I think it's a roster that plays for each other and has a great culture that just established here as well. So those are my reasons. The caveat, nothing is won until Sunday's. Bad luck is not automatically eschewed because you had it last year. I think it was a good team who is fully capable of buttoning up things that went wrong a year ago. Let's go ahead and finish up here with at, oh boy, how do I pronounce this? XG stat work. How did the team know Connor Williams would be such a good fit at center? I think there's a few traits that really translate here. Smart, quick off the football, incredibly athletic. We saw him get wide on several blocks this year. We saw him execute reach blocks where you're outflanked and the guy has you out leveraged based upon his pre-snap alignment. You have to win anyways. And he did that with regularity. Very tough block to execute and just does it so well all the damn time. So that really expands what you can do in the pivot but I think the athletic ability paired with his intelligence is where it really differentiates Connor Williams from, you know, I guess the other 27 centers in the league I think he's better than. Recognition of fronts, getting calls communicated, the protection sorted. These are just keys to the position, and I'm sure they felt that he was at a level requisite with having the offense operate like they want to. Because remember, we had that sit-down with Connor Williams last year, and the five thanks piece I wrote for MiamiDolphins.com he went to Texas and he qualified for their business school, which is like very, very tough program to get into. I think he had to be like a 375 and, and GPA and uh, some, you know, extracurriculars as well. So smart, athletic, essentially the traits we saw in Alex Mack when Shanahan and McDaniel brought him from Cleveland to Atlanta to San Francisco. I think Connor has similar traits. So there you go. That's the Twitter mailbag. I appreciate your guys' questions. We'll do that more as we go along here in the offseason. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice. Check out the team YouTube channel for the press conference, the Vic Fangio sit-down, tons of media availabilities content up there as well. Last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline and Cameron, daddy's coming home.